Hello, everybody. This is Tyler Platt with the Grassroots Living Soil Podcast. Uh, today we got episode number 15, so uh, number 15. We're blazing through these things here, getting them done. Uh, today I've got some special guests on here for you. Well, every guest I bring on here is special. We don't just bring the random people on. So um, we've got some great boys here from Nevada. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Evan introduce uh, his brand and his uh, boys he's got here with us today. So this is Evan, and uh, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, my name is Evan Martyr. I'm the Director of Operations for Fleur Cannabis here in Nevada, F-L-E-U-R, French for flower. Uh, who I have with us right now is Sven Bloom, who's our grow manager, and Nate Whedon, who is our agronomist. And I'll let them introduce themselves too. But basically, for my background real quick is um, I started a company here, a cannabis company here in Nevada in 2014 called Matrix NV. I um, became the director of operations here at Fleur Cannabis in June 2019. I started Matrix back in 2014. Uh, I've basically been operating in the legal cannabis market here in Nevada since the beginning stages of the medical marijuana program. And now we're in the rec program. So here we are, uh, I guess, seven years later. And wow. uh, what we do here at Fleur is a completely 100% uh, living soil grow. We're the largest in Nevada. We're about a 30,000 square foot grow. And that's basically what we do. We have a bunch of people here that are really passionate about growing, passionate about the plant, passionate about the culture. And just uh, uh, we have a team here that just loves what we do and cares about what we do and cares about putting out great flour to the Nevada market. And we pride ourselves on that. Sven? Uh, yeah, I uh, started out as a, a medical uh, patient back in 2009, uh, got into the uh, medical industry um, about 2015, uh, been in the uh, cannabis community or in the industry for about six years. Um, I've been with uh, Floor Cannabis for about four years and uh, two months, uh, so been here pretty much from the beginning. Um I essentially specialized. I came in as a, as a veg manager and worked my way up to the uh, current cultivation manager. Um, I specialize in uh, the propagation, uh, veg stage uh, plants, uh, all the phenol hunting, uh, breeding process has been done here. Um, and yeah, I just pretty much run the team of about seven to eight people and uh, just do all the forecasting, um, all the scheduling of the daily, weekly events. And, uh, yeah, pretty much just run a uh, tight ship around here, and, and things are going good. Beautiful. And there's Nate. And, uh, yeah, so I started here at Floor about the same time as Evan. Um, I would have just eclipsed two years in July. Um, July 2019 was my first start. Um, I've been kind of around the – Legal industry here since its inception in Nevada um, bounced around from place to place just because um, I wasn't really um, very happy or impressed with some of the people I had worked with and under at, at the time. Um, but my background is I, I have a formerly trained biochemist um, uh, specialized in my studies in molecular and cell biology and on a chemistry side did a lot of organic synthesis so I spent a lot of time in the laboratories and working with a lot of different chemicals and stuff um, really got into the organic growing um, probably about six years ago um, was really kind of coming into the 
whole legal industry where everyone was doing the same exact setups and it was all the cookie cutter rock wool drip systems and it just wasn't really it just wasn't doing it for me i wasn't happy doing it um and this opportunity came about and um evan reached out to me um uh mid-summer in 2019 uh initially uh, with an opportunity to start doing some uh some like solventless type uh processing some rosin some full melt things like that and uh it ended up turning into a much bigger opportunity here in the grow and so um my job here is just kind of as you said agronomist i'll do um a lot of uh just kind of managing nutrition um kind of setting up our feeds and uh just basic top to bottom soil and uh plant nutrition and just maintaining a healthy garden for the most part Great, Nate. And if you can, I'm going to go back through the three of you guys. If you can put your, uh, let us know your social medias real quick. You know, I really, it's important for uh, the listeners here to be able to go back and reach out to you and, and connect with you. Obviously, that's, we're the part of this community and everything like that. So, um, Nate, what, what's your social media if we wanted to get in touch with you, with you in the future or follow you? So, uh, that is going to be um smoke some weedon is uh my last name's weedon so um smoke underscore some underscore and weedon i actually think i might have uh make it easy on everyone i think i have a card here that has it <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's, it's on instagram yep so I sorry guys, I just yeah, got a, yeah. a call from, and so that I don't know if that's coming in very clear. Yep, I guess can you can get the gist from there. Yep, perfect, perfect. I'll also uh, be putting that up in uh, the notes and everything like that, and especially when we're tagging you guys in social media and uh, putting this post out and everything like that. Uh, so, Sev, how about yourself? There we go. You got you got to talk so the screen comes up though. Yeah, that makes it way easier. Yeah, so it's just uh, uh, spin underscore will underscore floor underscore ish. All right, perfect. Yeah, and Evan, yeah, I think yeah. you got a couple social medias, man. Break them all down uh, for us. Is, uh, this is mainly I'm mainly just on Instagram these days, but um, so you can follow me. And I just found out yesterday that I've been shadow banned on Instagram, which is awesome. So, oh, wow. unfortunately, I get, I get a lot of imposters. So you have to type out my full name on there to find me, and it's going to be Evan E V A N dot Matrix M A T R I X dot M M J. And then also we have the the Fleur page is a. Uh, Fleur Cannabis NV, that's also shadow banned on Instagram too, so you have to type that one out. It's F-L-E-U-R Cannabis, C-A-N-N-A-B-I-S, and then N-V. That was so hard to, uh, I was, the other day I was sitting there looking at all the pictures I took from your guys' facility and I had 10 photos all loaded up on Instagram and starting with the video at first and some music in there and all this cool stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to post it until I can tag them in there. And I just like, the only one I had was Nate and I was like, well, I can't just post Nate in there. Like there's so much more, <laughs> so much more going on there with the group. So now that I have this here, I can go back and reference it. So that'll make things a little bit easier and we'll get through appreciate that. It. We appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. We'll get through that shadow band crap. You know, they don't know what they're yeah, going, doing there. It's in brutal. The corporate yeah, I didn't life. even know. 
I didn't even know until yesterday I was shadow banned. I was wondering why my following just wasn't really growing. There you go. Yeah. But, well, hey, same thing with us. We don't pay for advertisements. We don't do much of stuff. Our followers haven't haven't changed for quite a while. But hey, we've got great connections with great companies like you guys, and obviously we're doing you know amazing stuff in the industry and in the in the area that that's going on there, and um, especially blazing the trails with living soil that you guys are on on the scale that you're on in Nevada. Um, I've, uh, spent some time in Nevada myself. Um, I've walked into quite a few dispensaries. Um, I was even, uh, there this last weekend with my girlfriend, uh, cause she's from Peru and I wanted to show her the big city lights and all that great stuff. And, uh, she's like, look, weed, let's go, let's go into that dispensary. So <laughs> we went in there and I mean, I can't believe the, the, just the hay and the, just like the stuff they had and the, um, it was kind of nuts. So, um, you know, I, I know you guys are probably really setting yourselves apart um, with your quality. And I know when I was there touring your guys' facility back in October at the MJ BizCon that you guys are telling me the, the large demand of your product. And obviously there's people that catch on to those terps and those smells and those flavors. So um, we've heard a little bit about you guys and a little bit of what's going on there. Um, you know, we're doing this podcast because I visited you guys out there and... Um, you guys had some major, major revelations, um, some some big things that had happened and some major changes that you had made, taken place on that facility, and that was obviously because you guys had had a lot of data and a lot of time and made an educated choice of where you're moving forward, and I, I'm just very grateful to be a part of that plan. So uh, thank you for bringing grassroots along with that plan and that, that awesome, you know, technique you guys are doing. So... Um, I don't know which one of you guys would like to start out and kind of just breaking down that revelation that you guys had going from the very first living soil raised beds that were ever produced from grassroots um, in your facility all the way to now the 24-inch deep beds you guys have. And, you know, the major thing that really blew me away was you guys said, you know, hey, we've got the same strain. One's upstairs and... It's got, you know, it's in, I, I forget which ones are upstairs and which ones are downstairs for the for the big beds. Um, I believe the big beds are downstairs, correct? That's correct. Yeah, um, obviously. Um, but um, the yields downstairs in the 24-inch deep beds um, were so different from the ones upstairs with the same strains that it looked like a different strain. Yeah. Um, so if one of you guys want to just kind of hop into that and say maybe maybe who who noticed this first, who really was like, oh, shh, like, crap, this is what's going uh, on. So Sven can definitely, these guys can definitely elaborate more than I can on that. But I would say that we noticed, I mean, we definitely noticed the plants growing differently in the beds um, downstairs, certain plants. We have certain plants that we only grow upstairs, certain plants that we only grow downstairs. Uh, but we moved one of them between both floors, and we saw uh, uh, pretty much immediately upon harvest, we saw a difference in the structure of the bud. The, the weight was significantly different in, in the, the larger beds than it was in the 18-inch beds. And, and, you know, as far as the growth of the plants, Nate and Sven could definitely speak more to that. But what I noticed right off the bat was we have a strain called La La Land that's a really um, larfy strain. Uh, we wouldn't get much weight off of it. We really like it though. And we keep it around, but when we grew it downstairs, it became one of our highest yielding plants. And I mean, it was, it was night and day. Oh, Evan, I think we lost you there for a second. Oh, Evan, hold on there. Yeah. It looks Spend like his, uh, there you go. Yeah. 30 gallon pots from the very beginning. 
Uh, I think we, and Nate can definitely elaborate too. I think we, we lost you for the last 30 seconds there. I don't know if you got a notification in on your phone or something oh, like that, yeah. but <laughs> lost you for a few seconds there. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. No yeah, problem. I'll chime in. Um, so just to give you a history of the facility, um, I've been here since 2017 and, um, the, the, the prior consultant had, uh, 15 gallon, had your guys's 15 gallon pots upstairs and 30 gallon pots downstairs. Um, we, uh, went through you guys to, to get what I believe is, uh, I think we talked about the first generation, uh, living soil beds, uh, upstairs. Um, so we were able to add the living soil beds upstairs and then, um, about uh, 2019, uh, when uh, Evan and Nate came on, we made you know sweeping changes. And one of the big things we did was uh, convert the downstairs from 30 gallon pots uh, to the 16 foot, 20 foot, uh, 40 feet beds. And um, just to give you an idea of how much we were able to add uh, to our plant counts. Um, the original plant count of this facility uh, in 2017 was 2,480 plants. Uh, when we um, pretty much added nine per section, nine per four by four, and also added the beds downstairs, we were able to get a plant count of 4,535 plants. So essentially we did um, about a 2,000 plant uh, increase just based on uh, converting from 30 gallon pots downstairs is what uh, nine plants per four by four square. So, you know, obviously made huge changes in our uh, final product as far as our pounds per room. Uh, so that was a huge upgrade uh, that we were able to do. Thankful for you, for you guys uh, getting the beds to us. And we essentially converted each room uh, in a matter of you know, three to five days, depending on the size of the room, you know, uh, move the pots to the side of the room, build the beds, dump the soil into the beds, added, you know, newer soil, and then, uh, and then pretty much broke the room down, planted within about five days. So we, we were off and running after that. For sure. Oh, excuse me. I'm hitting, but I'm hitting buttons here when I shouldn't be. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, um, that is awesome. Nate, sorry, I kind of interrupted us there. If you want to give us your, your two cents on that kind of situation, I know you had your hands in the soil there. Um, yeah, well, they had. Uh, I had got here, and um, the upstairs had already been converted to the beds. And um, granted, I mean, health wasn't that great, but it was like my eyes when I came in, like, exploded when I toured this place for the first time. It was just, to me, it was just a beautiful canvas of, like, what could possibly be done here. And um, the the downstairs uh, that we talk about, the upstairs, downstairs, the big difference is the ceiling clearance and how close we can keep our lights. Mm. So some of our taller plants we end up putting downstairs simply because, um, you know, light, space. intensity, yeah. power values and all that stuff. So um, the upstairs had already been converted to beds. It's still the same pretty much uh, set up and everything um, that when I started the, the downstairs was the, the 30 gallon pots. And that's where, as, as Sven mentioned, the increase in plant count was, I mean, we almost went a hundred percent increase in plant count in every room downstairs. 
Wow. Um, I think our biggest room was like 300 and almost 350 pots. Um, and we ended up put, I think our last time we planted in there was close to 800 plants. So we were able to really, really increase those numbers. And one thing that I noticed about the um, pots that I was really, it was just, it, it was a lot more work than it needed to be was just the amount of floods we would have because of uneven, wouldn't say uneven watering. It's just when you're working with so many individual little spaces, you got different strains in everywhere. We were throwing down different cover crops. So it was just, uh, it, it ended up being like a lot of the time uh, in those rooms. It, it was almost like every time we watered, there was needing to have a mop bucket there ready to clean up some stuff on the floor. So um, every soil mass was a separate ecosystem and you were really seeing those separate ecosystems either thriving or, you know, doing their own thing and being on their own pathway. Right. Oh, without question, we would have cover crop like uh, going up the side, uh, like climbing up out of the beds, getting through the fans. We had peas coming up, wrapping through the fans. <laughs> and then we had somewhat pots, you know, two pots over that were were, were dying, essentially. Oh. So it's just kind of like the consistency across the board now when you're working with a long bed like that, because once you're doing repetitive cycles, as we're doing, you're getting nine plants per so what on our uh we have four 16 foot beds are general we got a couple 20s and a few other larger ones down there but uh so we've got 36 plants per bed and once those root systems get in that one solid big bed it's like that ends up now working as a single organism in the soil when you're talking about fungal networks and all that stuff you've got all that interplant communication as opposed to each one individually having to fend for itself, essentially. So now we have all this communication going on underneath the soil and the root system from plants next to each other and all that. And I've just, we've seen nothing but positive uh, results from switching from the pots to the, the longer beds. And those original 30 gallon pots, from my knowledge, those were just basic our grassroots 30 gallon basic fabric pots they had no living soil liner that's a classic fabric pot you guys yeah yep. great great okay and, and that was obviously I, I would like to say if you were in the 30 gallon living soil ones you would have saw a little bit of an improvement but there's no point in going from a 30 gallon to a 30 gallon living soil because obviously you might as well just skip a step and go obviously you guys knew to go right to those 24 right. inch deep beds too so whose whose idea was it to go to 24 inch deep beds and how did you guys pal around to figure that out i think it was collective i mean immediately once uh, once we came into this garden the 30 gallon pots were you know that was definitely something that we had to work towards changing out just based on plant density alone you know i mean you know we're fitting in probably 18 plants where we used to be able to fit in maybe eight yeah, and it's like a, a square pole going into a round peg. I mean, you know, I mean, a, a round peg going into a square pole. Yep. It just doesn't make sense. We might as well have a bunch of squares inside of a square. And you know, you guys put your obviously your your plants into there, so it, it goes from that. So um, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, everything we do is a collective decision between the three of us. You know, there's not really a point in time where I'm going rogue or any of these guys are going rogue making decisions we're always you know brainstorming together and i think that's part of the reason why we've been so well big reason why we've been so successful because we work together as a team really well and, and uh, yeah go ahead and i'll add to this uh the, the facility from 2017 to 2019 was uh, originally set up with a 
Blue Mott Irrigation. And so when I took over as a grow manager, uh, we ripped out all the Blue Mott and went to hand watering. And that's with the four by eights upstairs and the 30 gallons downstairs. And so when Evan and Nate came on board, it was just a no brainer where I, I was showing them. I said, man, these 30 gallons, you know, dry down too quickly. They flood. And so um, that was obviously a huge part in our collective decision to go to beds and, and adding uh, to higher plant count. So uh, from an investor point of view, it was, it was a, a no brainer. Well, you know, previously to this, people would ask me, you know, what's the benefit of going to deeper beds? Because they started seeing it on social media and maybe even seeing it in you guys or seeing it in other facilities and stuff like that. And I would say more more roots, more soil, more roots, more fruits. It's going to make things better, you know, but it's up to you to choose, you know, what's best. I I know at least 18 inches is going to function. I know it's going to work. We see people happy. So it's it's great that, you know, we're in the infancy here in living soil and with our product line and with everything that, that, that I'm doing. Um, I know you guys are a little bit further along in, in what you're doing. It seems like more of a science. But, um, you know, I feel like this industry and where we're at, there's a lot of infancy going on and we're going to be, you know, merging up and being totally different five to ten years from now and, and improving those things. Yeah, from a commercial perspective for me too, the, the, eight, the 24-inch beds make a lot more sense just based on depletion of soil. You know, I mean, you know, we're constantly having to top these things off and think about all the work, the, all the labor that goes into topping off beds and the logistics of getting all the soil here and all that good stuff. So, you know, this gives us a little bit of a buffer um, between cycles to not have to constantly top off. You know, the 12 the, the inch beds, that soil depletes pretty quick. And next thing you know, your plants are growing in an eight inches of soil. So, you know, that's huge for you to say that, Evan, because I've had a lot of customers and a lot of facilities even worried that they think in their head, that, you know, every time I'm adding soil into this bed and transplanting that one gallon into there, those nine one gallons of that four by four, I'm adding so much soil to that that I'm going to have to, you know, and that soil is just going to stack up and stack up. And obviously, in my mind, I'm thinking about all your beneficial microbes are, are decomposing the soil and eating it. And that's what that soil mass is falling from. Is that For what sure. all you guys are, are seeing as well? I would definitely say so. And Nate, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's like, where is the plant is coming from somewhere. It's like all that organic matter and all that building block, like as the plant grows, it's got to come from somewhere. And so it's like your soil is not just going to magically stay as the plant takes things out of it. It's just not going to magically stay where it needs to be. So that's a good point. I like how you said that because the, the cannabis plant, as we know, is really good at remediating heavy metals from the soil. Well, it's probably really good at sucking out organic matter and nutrients and using it for production of production of your flower. So uh, very heavy eaters, very heavy mm-hmm. eaters. Yes. Okay. So um, going into water usage in between the 18 and 24 inch deep beds. Um, are you guys using more water in the 24 inch deep beds or do you think it's about the same? Well, I'll say for sure that the beds downstairs, the deeper beds retain moisture so much better. So essentially if, if you keep a, a good baseline moisture, we're not putting you know that much in, especially depending on the cycle from beds to flower. Uh, upstairs, yeah, once they get into, you know, week six, week seven, week eight, um, it's it's pretty hard to um, keep up with the, the the moisture to the dry down, uh, you know, resetting the room. 
and then uh, and then having to depending on how you handled your your soil, uh, you know, pretty much rehydrating it depending on how dry it got. And that's the biggest problem with the four by eights is uh, if you have you know nine per four by four section, um, they're drinking a lot, you know. So we could be watering, you know, every other day, you know, three days a week. Um, it just really depends on, you know, your setup. Everyone's setup is going to be different, uh, but those downstairs beds, you have so much more wiggle room to uh, put less in, and they just maintain moisture, you know, way, way better. Great, great. So there should be a uh, – if we got down to the exact gallons of usage, you guys would say there's a big savings or at least a, a, a savings of some percentageable – calculatable percentage difference in between the upstairs and downstairs beds, obviously we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Great. And significant difference from the pots. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> like it is extremely different when it comes to the amount of water we have to put down and how much we're seeing actually make it in the pots are the beds versus the floor was what we were. I mean, you would have lakes in some of these rooms after watering some of these pots, just because some of the, this pot would be a lot wetter than this pot, and you got hydrophobic over here. Yeah. And so everything yeah. you're putting into it's going off the side, getting on the floor, and it just it, it just has saved us so much headaches on that level of. Yeah, and if anybody doesn't know, you know that were that was the complaints that we were actually been getting for years, and it was on a small scale. You know, we'd go up to Humboldt and we'd do an event, and we'd have some some crazy guy with dreads over there in the corner being like, "Oh, that thing sucks. I hate fabric pots." And I'm just like, "Well, you're like that one percent. Everybody else comes up to me, wants to hug me, and says these things are the best things in the world, and they never had any issues with them, and ours are the best." You know, so I'm sitting here, you know, hopping down the street like, woohoo, everything's great. And every once in a while, there was that one person that was like, no, man, this is my problem with them, you know, and I just thought it was a gripe, you know, but, you know, that when the science comes down to it, you know, a, a, a normal fabric pot without that liner, and, and obviously, guys, this is more for the people listening than it is for you guys or anything like that, obviously, because you know this more than anybody, but a normal fabric pot is going to dry out from all different sides, all different directions, and that is completely unnatural. There's not, not many of any, not many things in nature that dry out from the top down the bottom up the sides all these different angles so what happens is your soil dries out almost from the bottom up and when you water you have a kind of like a, a pocket of dry soil that's repelling the water out and it just wants to run out the sidewalls so it's really hard to get it to penetrate down into the center and for those things to really work so obviously putting a liner around that fabric pot or if you've got a basic fabric pot grab some saran wrap out of the kitchen wrap the outside of it with plastic you'll see a difference. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's the biggest thing that's gotten us to where we're at from, you know, years ago now to making the first beds to where we are at today is bigger beds with more liner. So, yep. you know, that's obviously the trend that we're seeing and it's a big difference in between everything else. And it impacts a lot. Uh, water usage, um, soil retention, you guys using the same soil over and over again. It seems like your biggest problem is figuring out, you know, at what points we're going to add a little bit more soil in so we can still maintain that positive moisture retention. Um, so was there any, any other major like aha moments you guys had besides those 24 inch deep beds or anything I might be missing as far as what makes that so great? Uh, the one thing I will say that we, we talked about in person was um, just for the people out there with beds that are, you know, doing commercial uh, scale um, grows is uh, with the beds, you know, when you have your guys work in the beds, 
um, and you're planting, you know, everyone's leaning on the beds, oh. on the edges. And so you're, you're changing them in and your soil ends up curled up like that. And so you have to spend a lot of time, you know, kind of redistributing the soil so that it goes back to that, you know. And otherwise, what tends to happen is when it's curled in, all your water runs off the sides and then pretty much oversaturates your bottom soil. And then that's where you, you get a lot of flooding in those beds. And so, like, I think no-till kings um, has the cages on the outside. And if I, if I could, you know, change anything, I would add those. Uh, those metal cages, man, they did it right. Um, and that makes it so you can't collapse the sides. And then also when we were filling them, as I was telling you, you know, we were filling them from one side uh, and, and we were getting that, that bubble on like, you know, dominating on one side and the other one was flat. And um, uh, you could probably say their names, but the, the ones who just recently did it where they had the scaffolding and then they were dropping it in perfectly from the top, like that's a fucking – a dream scenario if you could do that but yeah just check that video out and if you ever consider moving you know large amounts of soil into beds i would do it like them uh to avoid the headache of the bulging of the sides and then also add add metal cages on the sides if you can to avoid uh you know collapsing in your edges and not having to always fix them because otherwise all your water eventually is going to run off to the sides and, and oversaturate your your bottom you know your bottom layer yeah, that's definitely probably the the downfall of the twenty four inch deep beds is they're so big that they have uh, a lot of more flexibility as far as the fabric and the PVC goes and a lot of that different things. Um, so the metal caging uh, is generally we'll see that built out by um, next gen greenhouse company. That's their living soil rolling benches with twenty inch deep sidewalls, and it's it's an amazing setup. I mean, obviously it's a it's a company that's had the engineering to to make it safe. Uh, for rolling benches, you know, they've done them up to a hundred feet long rolling benches with living soil, you know, very deep in them. And, and we seem to be the go-to company for us to make a liner to fit within them. So, um, obviously that's a bigger build out process and a long lead time to get those things built out and more of a process to kind of work that into your goals and your, your planting dates and stuff like that. Um, but the other thing that, that Sev was talking about was our, our good friends up in Montana collective elevation. Uh, they got some scaffolding from, uh, Harbor freight and put their soil tote on top of that scaffolding and was able to bring it into the room, put it right over the bed where they wanted to cut it through the scaffolding and the soil dropped right through into the bed. It was, it's the most beautiful thing ever. You look at, you know, you buy this expensive soil from a company and you don't want to damage it or beat it up and hurt it. And you're throwing it in five gallon buckets or, or, you know, whatever you're doing to get it into that, that, that bed. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely some cool things out there. And I'd say, if you don't know, uh, reach out to people and ask them. There's a lot of people that have done what you've already done. I think, um, I run into that daily. There's people that call us and say, Oh, you know, I, I, I want to be the first ones to, to run 24 inch deep beds. And I'm just like, well, Hey, let me, let me send you these guys. Let me send you these guys. They've been doing it and they'll give you some more numbers. And then, and they're like, Oh, okay. So there's, there's a big community out there. Um, getting back to my questions here, this one's going to be for Nate. Um, can you give us a quick breakdown of, um, how often you're feeding and, and what you're doing. Um, I know I got to be uh, lucky enough to walk into the room and you had, I believe it was a, was that like a 20 to 30 gallon cone bottom tank uh, from Synergy Agriculture that you guys were using? 
Uh, that is a 50-gallon brewer. We actually 50. got uh, – I'm actually sitting right next to him here. I can give uh, – Beautiful. So that's what we got. We got a couple of these we yep. use. You can brew tea, run a hose through it. It's got a nice little pump and a motor and all that. So um, They are from Synergy, too. Yeah, Synergy Agriculture in Santa Rosa. Yep. Um, the biggest thing guys that I've always seen is, uh, and maybe Nate, you can maybe, uh, dial in your camera to the bottom of that cone bottom tank there. Cause I want people to see every one of their cone bottom tanks guys has a bottom disconnect piece that's stainless steel. So that, that piece is what is taking your compost here, your nutrient solution and getting it out through the pump system and through there. So every single time, if they wanted to, if they felt the need to, they can unpop that quick clamps. I forget what they call those quick clamp things. And you pop it off, you clean it, you put it right back in there, um, you know, just straight gluing PVC pipe and putting them together and stuff like that. You're going to have biofilm buildups. You're going to have major issues. You're, you're, you're. Uh, population you're brewing is not going to be as positive as you think it is because you got all this old stuff in there that's collecting and going bad. So um, a very educational point for everybody listening. If you're going to brew a tea, um, you know, have a setup like that that's fully cleanable, disconnectable, so you can look in there and see what's going on. Um, but sorry to interrupt you there, Nate, if you want to, because the delivery system and the delivery method is is almost in just as important as the nutrient solution, I believe, so. So, um, feeding wise, uh, we have done, I know there's a lot of, um, we promote a little bit of some KNF, but it's more, um, I really like the KNF philosophy. Um, I use a couple of the tools from there, a few of the recipes, but, um, for the most part, we do a very, um, a lot of foliar feeding. Um, very foliar focused on the feeding, um, in my opinion, on a commercial garden. Um, it's probably the most economic way. And in a living soil system where we got nine plants in a four by four, it helps tremendously as far as like competition with um, roots competing for uh, nutrients and whatever it is, minerals and all that stuff. So when you're giving every plant a nice even coat, they're all eating pretty equally as opposed to, you know, having a set amount of, of minerals in your soil. And then you're going to have this whole matrix of roots and fungus and all this stuff, trying to break it down, send it here, send it there. Um, and not only that is like, I can do our biggest room with about eight to 10 gallons of solution. And if we were to fill up our brewers and do a soil drench along those lines, it would probably be closer to six to 700 gallons. Oh, wow. of water going through because um, you're going to fill up each of those 50 gallon brewers, you know, eight different times to get through one of our biggest rooms. And so um, the amount of solution that we don't use because we feed foliarly almost pretty much up through week three, once they start setting buds and stuff, we'll pull off. Um, but uh, as far as what we use to feed, we use a lot of uh, very, very big on the humic acids and aminos. Um, I truly believe uh, amino nitrogen is without a doubt the best nitrogen you can give plants. Um, I've seen personally the, the response I've gotten from amino-based fertilizers as far as nitrogen sources go is night and day compared to anything else that I've ever used. Um, use a lot of aloe vera and coconut powder. 
Um, some, as far as the aminos go, we use a little bit of fish hydrosylate and then, uh, the aloe vera as well is, is like the secondary source, I guess, of that. But again, the aloe vera has a lot more, it's not the main reason we use aloe vera. There's a lot of other, uh, the hormonal aspect and, and vitamins and, and different, um, balance of minerals in, in aloe is kind of more the way that we do that. Um, as far as like the K and F goes, we do use, um, a little bit of, they, they have a wedding agent that, uh, I really like, um, as far as like four foliar applications, it really helps, uh, cover the plant well and absorb. And it also doubles as like an IPM the way that we make it. Uh, cause it's a canola oil based thing that we'll mix here. Um, but we use a lot of like natural, um, garlic and, and chilies. And so we'll boil the canola oil with a lot of things like that. Turmeric, garlic, chili, ginger, cinnamon, different things that are known toxicity or known, known to be toxic to, um, you know, a lot of garden pests like thrips, uh, aphids, all these different things. So Pretty much every time that we're spraying the plants with like foliar feeding aspect wise, we're also doing some sort of an IPM, like a natural IPM regimen as, as we do. Great. You answered, um, the, you answered a question I was going to ask you. Perfect. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, uh, foliar wise, I kind of, um, I ease into it when we pull, uh, we pull our clones out from, uh, the domes and put them in our pre-veg, like the one gallon pots. Uh, we'll amend that soil with our, uh, we do a veg top dress um, mix with like alfalfa, uh, aminos, um, gypsum, sulfate, uh, uh, potassium sulfate. Uh, we use a little bit of calfos. We've kind of, we were using a lot of sea-based uh, products, but we've seen a lot of our recent soil tests had a, a high spikes in um, like sodium and chloride levels. So we're seeing a little more salt stress than, uh, so we've kind of adjusted how we're getting some of those minerals simply to curb. Um, essentially we had a pH and a salt issue that we were seeing elevated levels of. So we were kind of changing up our minerals slightly just to kind of add things that aren't going to drive the pH constantly up and also not leave as much, uh, sodium and chloride in the soil as well. So, um, and then as far as, so we use lab, uh, the uh, lactic acid bacteria, we use that pretty regularly for a lot of different things. Um, a lot of uses out of that, uh, again, more of a probiotic soil conditioner for the most part. Um, our ferments that we do use, we use like a bloom ferment and flour, which is just going to be a bunch of, uh, you know, organic, fresh vegetables uh, and lots of fruits to kind of the main reason I like the, uh, the ferments and the flour is more so not really a mineral aspect, but, uh, more of like a hormonal to get those, uh, a lot of those hormones and, uh, that are being produced when plants are actually flowering and producing fruits. And so, um, we use the, uh, the ferments, um, we were doing a lot of microbial teas for a very long time, but once our soil got pretty, um, that was for like the first year, 18 months. And once our soil got pretty fertile and active, uh, we've kind of steered away from using it as much. We actually haven't done too much, um, any microbial inoculations really in the soil for a very long time. Uh, haven't really seen a need for it. Um, 
what else? Am I missing anything on our <laughs> on our feeding regimen? I, I I don't know if uh, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I, I, think I think the, the, the biggest part, thing is going yeah. into the foliar spraying that you're saying. Um, how often did you foliar spray uh, once you get them into the beds? Generally two to three times a week, depending on what stage they're in. I, I like to try and do um, three times right when we're hitting that day, um, pretty much that day 14 to 21 range. I really like to go uh, pretty liked a little bit more aggressively on those last hit it three times right before we cut our sprays off just to kind of set them up to finish flowering. So we really don't have to add too much in the soil as we're, as we're going the rest of the cycle really like to try and front load as much as we can. And that way they can kind of eat themselves towards the end of the cycle. Yeah. I mean, I personally feel like you get a lot more flavor out of your flowers when you do that. It smokes cleaner. It tastes cleaner. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, what are, and this kind of question goes out to all three of you guys, and maybe you, you all three would have a different answer, which I'm assuming you probably will. So what is one, and this could be a, I don't care, a pair of air, air, air pods, or it could be a cell phone, whatever it is. What is a tool that you guys could not live without in cultivation? Starting with Evan. Wow. <laughs> That's a tough question. What is it? I would say my team. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, yeah, that right off the top of my head, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Great. Great. Okay. Right. Seth. Um, since I, I do propagation and uh veg, uh, definitely, uh, the rainmaker man is clutch for me because it, um, I, I, <laughs> I started with like the little half gallon pump sprayers, you know, just resaturating, rewetting, uh, you know, the, the rooters. And, uh, for me, it's my go-to tool for, you know, resaturating, uh, my rooters, uh, doing foliars at the same time. I can use it out in veg and you can even, you know, feed with it if you really want to. But yeah, that's my, my tool for my given area is the, uh, is the do rainmaker. You, do you have that with or you there? I don't know if I've seen uh, that. Yeah. Well, we have better ones now, but I'm, I'm rocking this one until the, the wheels fall off right here. But Oh, okay. Rainmaker pump uh, foliar sprayer for research. Yeah, and then and then I'll even use the uh, you know just your standard you know HDX Home yeah. Depot you know sprayer. But I used to have like the real small ones, and uh, but yeah, it's just depending on your method of just you know uh, you know re uh, resaturating your your rooters or whatever your system. Everyone's got a different system. So for me by hand i just go through and re-wet them when i need to and my goal is to just not you know oversaturate and obviously not let them get too dry so i i I utilize this rainmaker to be able to just you know i got you know two thousand plus clones at all times that i have to you know upkeep and so uh going around with a half gallon uh pump sprayer ain't ain't making the cut you know humble humble beginnings All right, Nate. How about yourself, man? I'm looking around to see if there's like what do I need the most? Because I use I I use my hands for everything. It's like I'm 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 always raw dog in the so, like bare hand soil, all that stuff. Um, the big boy tools. I mean, tools wise, uh, fogger. 
your favorite fogger. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I got in a pissing match with that thing yesterday. Um, I mean, the one that I probably use the most is the foyer applicator, just because that's how I use. Um, I mean, my genetics, I think, are probably very important, uh, but I don't think that's really a tool. Is there, I mean, the tool uh, that I use the most is the foyer applicator. Which is the rainmaker as well. Hands, so as long as I don't get my hands cut off, I'd probably be pretty good. Show them the show them the uh, the big boy. <laughs> oh yeah, so we got we've actually been using um, Petra recently. We've got a um, really happy with everything that they've given us so far, but we've got like uh, HD five thousand Petra, and then this one's great because it's got a hundred foot hose. So our biggest uh, our biggest rooms, we could just park that thing in the corner, and then. Uh, and then there's is a fogger. These things are wonderful. We've just had a little bit of uh, mechanical issues with that one. So they've been awesome about helping us out and getting everything replaced for us. And uh, I got nothing but great things to say about those guys at that company. They've been very, very helpful with everything we've needed. What was yeah, the, the gallon size on that Petra, the big one? Uh, six and a half. Great. Yeah, they've been fantastic. Even when we have an issue with it, they – we had an issue with that fogger. They didn't even ask us to return it. They just sent us a new one. The new one had an issue and they're sending us a new one for the new one. <laughs> so, yeah. They're really good. That is an awesome company. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've already busted through a couple of my questions without even asking it. Um, I guess this one goes again to Nate cause uh, you're the agronomist. Um, can you give me through like a, you know, a minute breakdown of um, what happens when you get your soil test back to applying the changes to the soil. Um, You know, I think it's really interesting for people to go through the process of, I got my soil test, I'm evaluating what changes need to be made, and then this is how I'm making those changes. Because that's where I think some of my biggest failure points were, is I got this report back, okay, now I got to do these changes to my soil, you know, now how am I going about doing that and doing that kind of correctly? So we've um, recently, we've actually been sending our, uh, we've done some of our soil analysis and sent them off to uh, work with Bryant a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if you've had him on here yet or yeah. you said you were planning to. The um, soil Doctor yeah, is episode Mason, 13. Um, soil Doctor is his name on uh, Instagram. And for the most part, uh, I've been very, um, because I guess, you know, when you say agronomist, it's something that, um, it would be in training, I guess. I'm still, uh, I'm actually around the new year going to go through the American society of agronomy, their program and actually get certified. But, um, so when I've sat down with him, um, coming from a biochemistry background, I was very, um, in tune with like the biomechanics of these systems. And not really um, as much of like when you're talking about crop loss, when you're going or how much your crops get like usage throughout a cycle and, you know, specific elemental amounts of elemental um, minerals that are going to be needed uptake and all these different like equations and how they factor it in as far as like um, when, when you, when I'm talking with somebody like Brian, he knows the exact amount of this to add for, to reach these levels and stuff. So that's where a lot of my experience was very green in that sense. So Brian's been a big help in just kind of um, going through the soil testing. And for me, it was 
was like, really, once I understood the difference between what you're looking at with a saturated paste report and in a, a, a specific normal soil report, it's like they're very similar, but there is subtle differences and nuances to each one. And so just understanding what you're looking at was the first part of like, OK, I, I, before I can really make any changes, I need to understand what I'm looking at here. And um, so working with him, it was um, he gives every time we get reports back with him, he'll give you a uh, <clears throat> kind of like a, what he would call a soil RX report, which is kind of his remediations. And, and then in speaking with him, looking over the test results and then looking at his paperwork, I was able to kind of um, just get an idea of what, uh, I guess, amounts and what our target levels should be. And then um, from there, it's just more of dialing that in to hit those target levels because on those big extended beds um in any big field you're looking at um you know pounds per acre we have i think i did the math at about ten thousand square foot of, of soil actual uh area soil area canopy area so it's very uh i guess those amounts is where uh it's something that would just be more frequent testing, I guess, was where what helped me kind of discover those levels or, or get closer to um, those levels, if that makes sense. I don't know if I explained that very yeah, well. Yeah, because you, you, you get your soil test, you make a change, and then your next test, next time around, you're like, hey, man, I thought I got that. I thought I fixed that. And then you're you know, going back at it again and, and trying to mm -hmm. hit those target levels and, and reassuring yourself that you're getting into those areas again. And I would say one of our biggest things was um, I would say one of the biggest things that I learned going through looking at this stuff was actually getting um, seeing what we didn't want there or what was wrong with the soil. Because our, our, as far as our basic uh, nutrient levels, they were all pretty well balanced and in good range. Um, very low on uh, manganese was one specific one we were extremely low on. And that's one that you don't really it's not very um, common in your just general feeds. And so um, we were running with pretty manganese deficient soil for quite some time. And just the slight nuance of discovering that was low um, between manganese, our elevated sodium and chloride levels, and then our elevated pH were like the four things that um, as far as what needed to be fixed, it was like not really things that we needed to add, but how can we get these in a better, or how can we get rid of these and then obviously lower with the pH? So when you're, when you're, um, Nate, when you're, when you're listening to other podcasts, listen to other people talk about living soil and you hear them say that you don't got to worry about your pH, do you just start laughing and be like, you know, you're crazy, man, because you haven't actually been through it? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think it's, I th think it's funny, uh, in a sense, it's like, you don't, you cannot worry about your pH. And if you have active biology, it's still gonna, you're still gonna get decent results. But if you're trying to optimize, it's like, you might as well, I mean, if you better pay attention to pH, if you're trying to optimize, 
There you go. You better pay attention to pH if you're going to optimize because you can look at a nutrient availability chart and see that you want to be within your levels of, what is it, Nate, probably 6.3 to 6.5, 6.7, I believe is like that that beautiful Goldilocks range. Ideally, and the, what's great about the the living soil is that when you've got these interactions going on biologically in the soil is like, there's going to be microclimates in the soil that pH is going to be regulated by the organisms there, but you're going to set it's it, you're going to set the ecosystem up as a whole best to perform if it's as a whole in that in that proper range. Where specific areas you might need it to be a little bit lower, but is, if that's the case, there's signaling that goes on within the plant and all that stuff where it's going to start shooting out some organic acids from the roots if it needs to dissolve something, if they need to drop the pH a little bit. Oh, I can see this minerals here, but I'm not able to access it. How can we get that loose from these, these mineral complexes or these precipitate complexes that they're stuck in? And it's generally the plant has mechanisms and chemical answers to be able to get these things out. But if your pH is that out of balance, it's going to take a lot more energy of the system to access those things than it will if you're in the range you need to be. Yeah, so it can the plant can actually count on the soil and actually treat it like a kitchen compared to like when we said this facility started out or, you know, like when you first got into cannabis and it was all hydro and rock wool and those plants are counting on that next feeding, that next watering, or those they wouldn't continue on. It's like they're like a prisoner, you know, that's just waiting to get to that next feeding or watering compared to, you know, you guys are allowing your plants to be, have some freedom of choice and, you know, hey, treat the soil like a kitchen, get what you want when it needs it. So, um, you know, I, I love to, to focus in on that uh, uh, plants are prisoners versus, uh, you know, free people in the kitchen. You know, there's always a big difference, big difference there. Um, so what, if you guys all three can kind of break through real quickly, what is your favorite strain to grow in the city, uh, excuse me, in the facility, starting with Nate and going back through you guys? Um. I would say my favorite one we have here is um, we have a Wookiees and Cream cross that uh, was actually done in-house by Sven here right below me. Um, It is a Cookies and Cream and I think a Purple Wookiee from uh, Bodie's line. Uh, That one is just extremely pungent, real musky kush, just like gassy musk underneath it. Um, We got a BTY that I just brought in. It's an OG. It's an OG hybrid. Um, probably those two. Personally, I'm a huge fan of, of Kush and, and Gassy strains. So anything along those lines is what is going to uh, get my my attention. It's going to get my best treatment. <laughs> That's best treatment. Okay. All right, so. Um, definitely, I second that. The, um, the Wookiees and Cream was uh, one of my first in-house breeding projects. Uh, so that one, you know, obviously will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, and then to further that one, the Bushido that we have was kind of a collaboration breeding project with me and one of my uh, mentor uh, grower buddies, uh, River Grown Cannabis in Oregon. So I sent him seeds of the Wookiees and Cream. Uh, he did a breeding project with that, hit it to the Lemon OG, sent that back. And then we did a phenol hunt with the um, pretty much the Wookiees and Cream crossed to Lemon OG. 
uh, and we found two keepers, and they're called Bushido and Katana. So that's definitely uh, uh, one of uh, Bushido is one of our highest testing uh, strains in the building. Wow! Wow! Okay, yeah, thirty around like twenty-seven to thirty percent THC uh, above three percent terps uh, on average. For me, it's it's all data driven. I mean, I have my favorites that I like to smoke, but as far as um, the plants that are growing under this roof, uh, that Bushido OG, like he just said, we just sent that out um, the past two weeks on the latest runs of it, and we saw three tests come back above thirty percent. And we go to real lab, we go to legit labs here. We've always used labs that we know we're getting legit numbers because uh, there were labs that were, you know puffing numbers up here and oh. and you know we knew that eventually the state would crack down on that and if you're going to those you know labs and your numbers are at a certain level and then all of a sudden they're not anymore mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to sell your product as well so you know and plus i've always <laughs> i've always wanted to be honest about this kind of stuff and so we've always stuck with this mainly one lab that we know we're getting true numbers so we know that 30 percent is real and then on top of it, we're very terpene driven here. And uh, that that strain is testing, the Bushido OG is testing between three and 4% terpenes every single test. And that's pretty high. You know, we're, I, I, you know to give you an idea of, of how labs will puff their numbers here, uh, we saw THC getting boosted a bit and the state really cracked down on that. And now what you see is uh, the terpene levels at different labs are, you know, it's not consistent. And mm. so I sent this same strain out to another lab. I'm not going to name the lab, but we sent that out and it came back at 9% terpenes. And we all knew that that was elevated, but you know, it's. <laughs> and they're <laughs> so like, did you like the test results? Can we do more for you? Yeah, like, you know? <laughs> exactly right. Like the THC is right in line, but then you have these insane terp numbers and it's like, okay, you know, no one really questions that out in the market. So, you know, mm. these labs are getting by with that. But again, we want the true numbers because we feel eventually those numbers will probably get in line too. So mm. Bushido OG, as far as stuff that I like to smoke, I'm like Nate. I love gas. Uh, the Wookiees and Cream that we have under this roof is fantastic. The new strain that with the BTY that we have is phenomenal. And I also, we have a citrus strain under this roof. We have a few of them, but there's one in particular that's really, really good called Orange Cookies. Um, the test results aren't really ever that impressive, but the flower is just incredible. And it's one of those strains that, you know, I, over the years, you know, when you, when people know where you work or who, you know, what you're representing, they'll walk up to you and say, Hey, you know, I love this strain and that strain. And that's, that's the one strain that I tend to hear people out, out and about tell me that they love the orange cookies. It's just, it's, it's amazing strain. Great. Great. Well, I'd have to say, um, I was out there, like I was saying earlier last weekend, uh, in Vegas with my girlfriend and I was so happy because Every corner I walked around, every casino I walked by, everything I smelled cannabis. Cannabis all over the streets of of Nevada, Las Vegas, guys. It's just kind of like a big change for me. I remember, I remember growing up saying, oh, you're going to cannabis? Well, I mean, excuse me, you're going to Nevada? Well, we got to smoke all the weed now because we don't want to bring right. it into that state. Like, you know, we don't want to go to jail for the next 20 years for a roach. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, such a change, such a big difference there. So, Evan, can you... I know before we started this and hit record, you were talking about the market in Las Vegas. Um, you know, I know when I visited you in, in October during the MJ BizCon, you were like, I, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I wish we can grow more. I wish we had more space. We need, you know, we can sell everything we can grow. So what's the, um, 
the state of the union for cannabis in in Nevada. Yeah, that's still the case for the most part. I wouldn't say that's the case for everyone. You know, we're in a unique position that we're only one of, you know, I'd say two or three organic grows in the state that are well known. Um, actually, probably only two. Oh, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, and so, uh, so I mean, you know, we're in that nice little niche of, uh, of being an organic style grow. Plus, though, you know, it's not just being organic. Uh, we have the right strains. When we first came in here, we were only working with, I'd say, 13 strains that were really viable in a commercial market. We've now boosted. We've gotten rid of a lot of those, too. And now we're up at around, I believe, 24 strains that we feel really good about, um, you know, all testing really high and all yielding high. As But as far as the market here, like I said, we're selling out in December, January, February tend to be a little bit slower months here. But then come March, once March hits Vegas, the pools open up here and yeah. it's, you know, it's just, it's, it becomes crazy up until uh, probably around the summer ends. Uh, so March, you know, through August are really hot months. And then September, October, November are still pretty, really solid too. And then you hit that three month stretch where it's just for all the businesses here in Las Vegas, they all suffer. In fact, to give you an idea in January, the casinos, basically shut down a lot of their business you know all the shows for example they go dark like Cirque du Soleil in January there's not really any Cirque du Soleil's going on they all go dark because there's hardly anybody in town yeah getting through the holidays and that kind of stuff that kind of kind of makes sense yeah Um, we're you know we are a tourist driven town we you know before prior to COVID we had 50 million people coming here a year Um, we're probably going to get really close to that again this coming season. I mean, people want a vacation and everything, but we also have 2 million people living in actually above 2 million people living in Clark County, AKA Las Vegas. And so, you know, we do have a good locals market here and we personally really like to cater to the locals in Las Vegas. Of course, we want tourists testing out our, our, you know, trying out our flower, but uh, for us, you know, we're, we live in Nevada and Nevadans are, our, our main focal point here. Great. And that, so, that's but, great to yeah. hear, especially with the large population of, of tourists, obviously in that town. Um, what, what dispensaries, if we're in Las Vegas, could we find your, your product at? Is there a, uh, lot, a lot of them or just a handful? Mm-hmm. No, we're, I would say it's an easier question to answer what we aren't in. Um, oh. but okay. you know, uh, right, right off the bat, right close to the strip, planet 13 carries our products. There's another uh, store called Inyo. I'm just shooting from the hip here, just kind of coming up with names. But Inyo, uh, they sell a lot of our, pro- lot of our products. New Woo, that's down off, off down by uh, downtown Las Vegas. Uh, they sell a lot of our products. Um, it's like I said, it's there's <laughs> most of them do Essence, aka cookies. They sell our products. They're right on the strip. We're one of the few brands. That's actually a badge of honor for us. We're one of the few brands that actually made it onto the cookies stores shelves and we're on both of them. They have a cookie store on Flamingo. We're in that store. Uh, So yeah, we're, we're, we cover the strip, man. We're all around town. And then if you're ever up in Reno, we're all over Reno as well. Okay. I just was uh, staying at the Palms uh, place right next to that cookies facility on on uh, Flamingo. So I was th- I was looking at that and I was like, man, I should go in there. I would have went in there and purchased some of your guys' flour if I knew it was there. But um, you know, I'll have to hit you guys up ahead of time next time for when I'm in Let town. Obviously, we'll yeah. have a care package wait- waiting for you. Beautiful, beautiful. There we go. So I guess we're gonna go out there next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um. 
other suggestions, anything else you guys can think of that grassroots can can do to improve our thing, our products. I know obviously we talked about, you know, filling these beds, leaning on the beds, you know, certain corks with, with, uh, you know, 24 inch deep beds and stuff like that. But is there anything you guys would change? Sven. Um, I think you guys covered most of it. Uh, I guess, you know, obviously trellising is factored in. I think you guys have adapters for that. We have metal poles that are separate from the beds. Uh, so trellising obviously is a factor. Um, what your watering methods are factor in. Um, but yeah, as far as improving anything, uh, just pretty much what I brought up earlier, which you guys seem to already be covering. Um, but just having people aware of it because, yeah. you know, if they, if they're not aware then they're going to just make the same mistake over and over and then, you know, blame you guys, but there's a solution for, you know, every little thing. Um, but yeah, just, uh, maybe quantifying or being able to quantify like how much to water, uh, the beds, you know, it, it just kind of formulating some type of math that you can quantify, uh, from like different depths and, uh, you know, that can kind of give people a baseline if they don't, if they don't know better, uh, different cycles, veg through flower, um, just quantifying how much, uh, they can retain, you know, cause you guys have the gallon amounts of how much soil can fit in the bed. Uh, but, uh, some they'll probably encounter is how much to sink in, uh, when they start watering. And if you start off over watering, uh, it's downhill from there. You can, you can start your beds and oversaturate them like, first feed, you know, first watering and just be, uh, you know, anaerobic before you even get started. So maybe just creating a, a good uh, baseline of, you know, how to start slow, get a nice slow sink and then kind of work your way out from there. Yeah. I, I would say also though, um, I don't have a suggestion. I just want to give you guys compliments because, you know, we work together from the beginning, and I'll, I'll say this. You know, your beds are very, very easy to deal with. They're very easy to put together. The instructions that you gave us were incredibly accurate. You know, you gave us all the measurements to cut down all the PVC. It was all spot on. <clears throat> we didn't have any issues putting these beds together. And, and to add to that, you as a team, your team is fantastic to work with. You know, as you, you probably recall, we had an issue with XPO, the delivery service, where they, they shipped our beds over to Texas, I think it was. <laughs> and we were on a time crunch to get these beds here because, you know, we're on a schedule here and we needed to fill these beds fast enough so we'd get the plants planted and everything. And, and you guys hopped on the phone with XPO and got that stuff out here. And, you know, I thank you then and I'm thanking you now because that was a really big deal and it kept us on schedule. And, you know, most companies probably would have just not stepped up the way you guys did because, I mean, that that was in, that was very involved you guys actually i remember making several phone calls you were back and forth with me constantly so i just want to thank you that on camera thank you for that on camera because that was huge and you know uh we've had orders since then and they've gone very smoothly and you guys have just been rock stars to deal with man so thank you and thank you for having us on your podcast great great well that 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 means so much to hear all the way through that process and and you know we've worked really hard to to get to this point today and 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 gosh we've got so much that we're working to to improve things even better so um you know that's that's amazing and and just feels feels so great to hear to hear those things um 
I have a question for you guys. Another one, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where we can wrap this up here, but um, any other suggested people that you guys think that I should have on the podcast? Hmm. I think you, you just had Brian on, right? So you, you're, you just did that. Um, any other cultivators you guys can think of or anybody you guys are fans of that you would like <laughs> me to, to bring on here and grill and talk about or, you know, elaborate for you? Um, personally, I would like to throw out a breeder. Um, one of, uh, someone I just gotten connected with recently, um, a friend of mine was really adamant about me trying to run his gear. And, uh, he was like, man, you just try it. Just try it. I'll send you seeds. I'll send you seeds. And, um, I'm glad he did because, uh, his tag on, uh, Instagram is fit friendly farmer. Um, Probably some a collection of some of the best genetics I've ever had the privilege of of being able to work with. So uh, I would left definitely like to uh, shout him out because I feel like he's very slept on in this industry, and in that so many breeders are trying to accomplish what that guy already has. It, it's really um, I'm very impressed with the with the plants of his that uh, I've been running recently. Great, Nate. Well, maybe um, after this, you can do a little introduction for us on social media or something like that and, and uh, get me connected with him. And uh, maybe we can find a time for, for you and him to come on and kind of break down that experience. I, I mean, yeah, he's got a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, like um, Mendelian inheritance, when it comes to genotypes and what will be expressed in generations down the road and things like that it's been really fascinating to uh talk to and um again being a huge fan of og kush he's sitting on some very um heirloom i would say uh early generation ogs that are um have proven through what i've ran to be very 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 good plants definitely piqued my interest with those old school OGs. That's like, uh, just like Evan was saying, you got to have those, those, those things that actually do the job that they're supposed to do. Not just, not just, you know, have smoke rolling out your mouth, obviously. Uh, have you had the uh, dude from, uh, mountain organics on? No, Not I don't think so. He does all of the, like, um, homemade nutrients or ferments and I, it's got a line of white bottles with a black lettering on it i think if i'm measuring, remembering yeah. that pro- properly yeah mountain organics he's uh shit i think he's on he's got 100 cycle you know 100 gallon pots it's probably your guys' pots i'm not sure but i think mountain organics would be a, a great one as well great Cool, cool. So two more suggestions. I always need help fueling the the podcast here, so that's important. Um, I, I know Chris uh, Chris Trump's always one that I like to listen to. He's always uh, got a lot of experience in the natural farming world. I think he's recently gone into the cannabis a little bit more, but I really like listening to him because of his experience on like larger acreage. Uh, he's done some very, very large acre farms that uh, it's always fun to listen to him talk about scaling some of the, um, the natural things that he does. Uh, let's see here. There's a, there's a couple that I really enjoy listening to. Uh, Chris Trump is definitely going to have to be one that I invite because he's been suggested, I think like four or five times now by different, yeah. different guests and stuff like that. So I've been sleeping on that one. So we'll, we'll get an invite out to him yep. for, for later yep. in January, hopefully. 
Bryant would have been my pick. He's my favorite, but you've already had him on. Great, great. Well, we're definitely going to have them on in the future, too. I think there's some of these people that are getting these updates and going through things so fast that, you know, re-updating some of these conversations in six months um, is, is very fruitful for a lot of these situations. Um, well, so- yeah, I think that's uh, very much needed because there's things that we were doing six months ago that we're no longer doing at this point anymore either. So it's just as we learn with the nuances of Growing like this indoors, it's like things are going to constantly be adapting. Great, great. So my last question for each one of you guys, if you want to roll through this, however, um, I know, Evan, at the end, you want to show us the the grow room uh, that you have next to you there. So after we get through Sev, maybe you can key us into that. But um, I just want to go through here one more time and say, is there anything else that you guys want to bring up or talk about real quickly that we didn't get a chance to talk about today? Um, I'll, I'll touch on one thing, uh, the, the way you guys, um, you know, you have the measurements on the beds. Um, one funny thing we encountered is we mixed up the, the legs with the, the middles. And so sometimes like if you don't have the right, uh, person, you know, leading the building of the beds, like we had garbage cans with the different size PVC. So just make sure when you're building these beds, you have a extremely coordinated effort, uh, building the beds because you can get it done pretty fast but you start mixing up the sizes and that's one thing uh we did um one thing i do want to do is i want to shout out my team uh evan and they obviously uh angel brandon tommy uh shantae um shy will ritzy uh everyone behind the scenes in the trenches they're you know doing an amazing job and they're just uh crushing it so i have to shout out my team and what was the head count? How many people yeah. do you guys got going on there when, when you're at the full forces? About seven to, yeah. seven to nine in the cultivation. The whole business is 30 people. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Great. Top uh, to bottom. Yeah. We can never leave out our packagers or trimmers. They're just as important as everything else. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay, Evan. And then anything about yeah. you, anything else here that you think that, that we should have talked about that we didn't get a chance to before you hop in there? I think you covered it, man. Great, oh, great, great. Hold on, so I'll flip this around here. Give me a second. So See for if I can... anybody listening to the audio version of this, which is going to come out first, I, I'm very sorry that you don't get to see these beautiful <laughs> beautiful buds here, but I'm going to be posting some cool photos on social media, um, you know, so you guys can see what they're doing here. Um but yeah, we've got those uh, beautiful beds there, and what what depth are those? Those look like the those are, those are the eighteens, I believe. Yep. That are yeah, I'm in. I'm up in a one A. One A. Yeah. So two A. Beautiful. Yeah, we do good work here. <laughs> and it was nine. Plants per four by four square, or how many? That is correct. Nine plants per four by four square. Yep. And then you can see last plant standing. Look at that. Bam. There you go. And that's probably what, <laughs> like, maybe I'm just guessing here about five weeks since it was harvested. Yeah. Yeah, about that. I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Out in there. And we got a nice maybe mulch even layer. four. Yeah, about four or five weeks. Yeah, we just did our first uh, flower top dress in there yesterday. 
So it should be about week four or five, four and a half. Yeah. You know, look at these bad boys. Evan, there was one question I didn't get to ask you there is these beds that we're looking at right now. What do you think the, the further expected lifetime of them? Like how, how much longer do you guys plan on using them? (laughs) Uh, for the foreseeable future until we get a new facility. Yeah, we don't, (laughs) we don't have any plans of changing anything. Great. Great. Okay. That's, that's really cool. And that's, that's awesome to see, uh, what works upstairs and what works downstairs. Obviously, you know, we've got the right tool for, uh, the right situation there. We also have, um, a load calculation that we have to factor in too. those, those 24 inch beds would be much heavier on these floors upstairs. Yeah. So we probably couldn't even switch over to them if we wanted to in the upstairs rooms, just based on the weight. Mm. Would you guys ever, uh, make it to where there's a, do you, I'm sure, I'm sure you probably like the gaps in between the beds and walking in between the beds. Um, so I'm guessing, yeah, I don't see any reason why you'd want to change anything No. Yeah. I wouldn't mind connecting, you know, doing 16, 17 footers, if not 20 yeah. footers, there's plenty of space in there to, to do it but it would just it would probably be a hassle to to do that but yeah if we could extend them like you know a little longer we could get a little more uh you know higher plant accounts in there a little more canopy space yeah well if we had to i could make a little custom bed to go in between there for you guys if we had to so <laughs> yep the fun yeah, stuff I, mean, I like doing yeah i i'll tell you what the rolling the rolling bench as you mentioned earlier and now that would be something to move into yeah so if there were any plans it would be that nice nice and i've seen them to where they're really low to the ground like low yeah. low low to the ground so you know that would be ideal we actually yeah. priced out putting the downstairs beds on wheels and we were looking at about twenty thousand dollars just to put them on wheels downstairs in each in each room yeah yeah it's, it's so. a very expensive endeavor and um like you guys say, you're super successful and you're not doing any of that, you know? Right. So you just have maximized the right bed into the right room and, and yeah, that is great. That's key. That is key. Go into one more room. I'll show you, I'll, I'll show you that Bushido OG. She is worth seeing. If you go to the, the, the hose reel, uh, by the, by the hose reel, uh, <laughs> in the middle, there's a, there's a good one. Right over here by the hose reel. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is Bushido. As you can see, she's a chunky girl. Oh, beautiful. Jeez. Do you guys um, when you when you chop these things down? Do you guys uh, harvest by the cola, or do you guys harvest by the whole plant? Whole plant, and then we, then we wishbone it, wishbone on the Perfect. on the rack on the hangers. Whole plant, then uh, wishbone it. Great, great. And I'm guessing a, a 14 some odd day dry at, at 60 60. Yeah. Great, great. Pretty standard stuff. Right. Pretty standard stuff. Yep. yep. Great. That is the Here, best picture on. of you, Evan. There with you, you know, walking <laughs> through there, a big old smile on your face, like oh, all these buds <laughs> in the back. Hold on. Here's that Wilkies and cream too. Uh, I'll show you that one. Oh, yeah, beautiful. under the LED. Yeah, she's under an LED. We have a mixture of LEDs and high-pressure sodium in this room. 
So how do you guys feel about that in between the, what's the quick synopsis of, you know, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down for LEDs and HPS? What's um, here? So let me show you something. I shouldn't LED, really talk yes, bad about HPS, these. No, in my opinion. Hold on. Let me show you this real quick. So these LEDs, <laughs> right. I won't t- say the brand, but uh, these things aren't even a year old. I'm sorry. aren't even two years old. Look at all the diodes we've lost. That's oh my gosh. There's one diode left. Wow. I've never seen that on an LED light. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, and it's happened on all of them. It's not just one. We're seeing it on all of them. So, wow. you know, imagine filling out a facility, spending, you know, we, I would have probably had to pay about a thousand bucks a light for these specific lights. And we're two years down the road and they're all, you know, burning out on us. Shit. I just put a $50, you know, LED rope strip around my house for Christmas lights. And I can't tell you how pissed I'd be if I lost just one bulb on that thing, let alone a damn bulb in my facility. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I personally, I mean, and these guys could speak more about growing under them, but as far as the technology, I mean, we're seeing the same yields off of the LEDs that we're seeing off the of high pressure sodium. I just think that that technology personally, I think that technology has a ways to go. Yeah. Uh, before it's worth investing in, I kind of, I kind of see it like the early stage of plasma screen TVs. Yeah. You know, and so I think five years down the road from now, um, if you were to invest heavily in the LED technology now, you might be kicking yourself in the ass down the road. Yeah. Uh, so you know we're sticking with good old school high pressure sodium. We really like the Lux Light. We've been using that a lot, um, and that's actually what we're outfitting. When we took this place over, that was one of the biggest challenges we had was the lights were just garbage. And so, you know, we had to get this place cash flow positive to the point where we could start buying new lights. And that's what we did, you know. So now, as good as we've been, you know, um, we've been growing under old lights uh, with a really weak par level, meaning the intensity of the lights has been really weak. And now to give you an idea, our biggest room that I was just in, the most we ever harvested out of that room was 180 pounds. And when we changed the lights to Lux, we got 286 pounds. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. And 180 was pushing. And I mean, 180 was, you know, that was our highest yield in two years of working here. Um, so that was really heavy because that room, I think when we first took over was barely even reaching a hundred pounds. That's and probably so, got to be yeah. one of those moments that you're like, I've got some damn good numbers to to send up the ladder. Like, oh man, yeah. that's got to feel yeah. good. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's proving the point, you know, and, and not just proving the point yield, but we also see it in the results as well. So, you know, stuff that the Bushido, for example, under those old lights, that'll test at like 24%. We put it on the new lights and we're hitting 30% plus the yield increase, the terpene decrease, it just makes everything better. So you said 218 pounds, and what size was 200, that room? 286, Oh, actually. shit. Excuse me, 286. Yeah. That room's a 4,600-square-foot room. With, uh, are... We have 120 lights in that room. It's about two. It's like I think it's almost uh, like 1,900 square foot of actual soil space. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, the way the grow was spaced out, had we taken this, you know, had we designed it, we would have spaced it um, – the beds together a lot closer. So, you know, that's how we just have to measure everything in, in this facility basically by pounds per light, just based because, just because of how spaced out things are. But yeah, we hit 286 in that room with 120 lights. Wow. Those are <laughs> and, numbers uh, and, and stats I've never heard before. So that's great. Yeah. And, um, 
yeah, the last the last harvest in that room was two seventy. So yeah, we're we're hitting it, man. That's amazing. Two seventy. Jeez. Well, great guys. That is some some amazing info. Um, yeah. By the I, way, that's in the twelve inch. I'm sorry, the eighteen inch bed, not the twenty four. Uh, <laughs> so you can hit those yields in in the eighteen inches too. And we okay. expect actually to see bigger yields in the downstairs beds once the soil gets to the optimal health where you expect it to be. You know, it's taken some time. To give you an idea, in the 30-gallon pots, we were seeing eight, nine-foot-tall plants. Wow. And, yeah, and that was under not good lighting. So <laughs> once I think the soil, a lot, some of that was stretchy, though. I think a yeah, lot it, of was it was definitely – well, yeah, definitely stretchy, too. That's a good point because the lights were weak, too. But even still, we were getting big yields. We were getting – Pretty doggone big yields off of those stretchy plants, but we're going to see much more now. Great, great. And, and yeah. um, how many cycles do you think you guys have done in the 18-inch deep beds? We can tell you. We, we're we on our 19th. 19th cycle. Well, yeah. well no. Well, so to, to be specific, we're um, – so we're on oh, our – Yeah, that's right. They were in pots. That's yeah, right. But, yeah, we switched over to beds. Um, let's see, 2000 – I think like 18. So we probably started in those beds around the, I don't know, somewhere in the five to eight range, cycle five to eight. So I'd be very conservative if I posted a picture of your guys's setup and I said, this is a 15 plus cycle bed. You know, we're, we're, obviously I'm being conservative. We've used this bed over 15 times, you know, and it's, it's yeah. constantly improving and constantly getting better, obviously from your guys' opinion, correct? Yeah. And then downstairs, what it's, uh, we probably done, would it be like 10? We did about 10 cycles or five, like six. As, as far as the new beds. Yeah. I think um, we're on our third in the new yeah, beds, right? Yeah. yeah. We're in our third. Yeah. We're, we're starting our fourth in one of the rooms, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think one C just started the fourth. Great. That's the fourth and one C. Yeah, okay. we we switched out three rooms into the uh, the twenty four inch beds, so it was a process. It wasn't just one and done. It was you know we had to do this as the rooms went down, and those rooms sequentially go down e- every month. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so we're taking a room downstairs down once a month. Yeah, Rome yeah, wasn't built in a day. In the, same, in the same soil with adding some soil occasionally to top off beds. Yeah, and you guys obviously, like you said, you're only at the 20th because you took the old soil, incorporated it into the new beds, and then I'm sure yeah. topped them off before you planted in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we only had about 60, about 60% of the soil that we needed. So we had to bring in another 40% to add to those beds. Great, great. Yeah. Um, well, we're wi- wrapping it up here, guys. And I also want to let you know, uh, while we're there, we talked about a lot of our concentrated biology, microbes and plant food and stuff like that. And um, we are a little held up on getting that stuff to you guys, but that's for some good reasons because they have um, some frass that they're offering um, and some really other cool stuff that we're going to want to make sure we get you guys all in one package and one bundle there. Some fun stuff to cool. play with. Um but um thank you guys thank you so much for allowing me to come into the facility thank you so much for being such an open book i don't think i've i've ever had a conversation with any grower that doesn't want to hold back on something and i I just feel so so happy that you guys are just so open about this and so uh, willing to educate the other people around you doing the same thing which is kind of rare in this industry um 
So thank you for each one of thank you. you. Um, and if we want to run through one more time, if you guys uh, remember, this is mainly going to be an audio version out for a while until I can get to edit this. So if you guys can go through again one more time uh, your names and how we can we'll reach you on social media before we uh, wind this up here. For sure. So my name is Evan Martyr, M-A-R-D-E-R. And I can be found on Instagram under evan.matrix.mmj. That's E-V-A-N period matrix m-a-t-r-i-x period m-m-j and then sven sven so sven is going to be because this is going to be audio sven so sven is going to be also oh, yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so he's holding up a sign for you guys to read yeah, sven, uh, you want to go ahead <laughs> yeah it's, uh, sven underscore will underscore floor underscore ish and uh i'm private and i probably won't accept your request because i have a ton of shitty little trolls that try to uh follow me but i will accept those uh in the right in the good cannabis community and when he says fleur that f-l-e-u-r not floor like f-l-o-r yeah perfect (laughs) (laughs) and uh nate whedon and um the instagram handle is smoke underscore some underscore Weedin, and that's spelled W-E-E-D-E-N. Awesome Instagram tag. Thank well, you. Yeah, it is. Well, He's hey. got the perfect name for this. Both of these guys do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people have asked if I changed my name. I'm like, no, I'm not that. I, I'm not like that uh, much into the vanity of it. I'm sorry. No, you just got really lucky with your pathway and your success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like it was meant to be, I guess. Looks like it. Looks like it. Well, thank you guys very much. Uh, We're going to work on getting this podcast edited and up probably in the next uh, week, if not two weeks. And um, we'll be posting on social media about it and sending you guys a link to it. So uh, just remember, if anybody wants to check out this podcast, it's Grassroots Living Soil Podcast, available on all forums. As far as podcasts, it's available everywhere. Um, Yeah, Tyler, you guys are in the App Store, right, for like Apple and stuff? Yeah, definitely. If you go to the the Apple uh, iPods or Apple uh, iTunes, uh, their podcast side of things, uh, that's what I was just about to say is we really want people to, um, you know, uh, rate us on there. How many stars do you think it is and comment because that really helps get us out there, uh, especially with Spotify and stuff like that. So um, thank you so much, guys, for coming on. Thank you for for being who you are. And and anybody listening, make sure you go and follow these guys on social media and, and ask them directly. Don't message me with questions about their facility. Ask these people. They're obviously, they want to help you and they want to educate. So go go right to the to the source for the info. Um, so thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Tyler. I'm glad I was uh... – I know you've been asking and it was just like, yeah, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. And then it was just like, I'm glad I finally (laughs) put it on everyone else's plate. Get it off mine here. Yeah. Nate really spearheaded this. So thank you, Nate. And thank you, Tyler. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you guys. Our pleasure. Recording stopped. Okay.